put on this computer. There we go. All right. So welcome to Raise the Bar, the Sky High and Fly Jump Camps podcast. I'm your host, Troy Haynes, and we are talking for the second time with Marcus Gelpi. Um, Marcus is graciously uh, spending his time with us and uh, graciously afforded me another 15 minutes as I was stuck in traffic on the crazy freeways here in L.A. Marcus, how are you? It's been a while. I'm I'm great, honestly. I'm I've been I don't think I've ever been better in my life. I'm great. Well, so what is the latest going on with you? You you sent me on your text. You told me that you're you're going to be going to Kansas State. And, yes. Uh, so I'm, so I'm, that's I'm, that's exciting news. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm going to be. I actually leave in 30 days now. Just mm -hmm. under a month, I'm going to be a mid year transfer. So I'm going into Kansas State, and I'm going to be competing this year. Awesome, awesome. So you've done your your two years at the JC level, right? So you, you have two years of eligibility left, I'm guessing, or is there any special well, third year? With I had, uh, yeah, I had a COVID year, so I technically have three years and a red shirt available. Wow, awesome. So if you needed it, you could take a year to acclimate and then you could still have another three. That is awesome. Yeah. I, I wish this is a, a quick side note because I want to talk to Marcus, Marcus more than about myself, but I still have this um, pathological hatred of the fact that I never redshirted. You know, I went straight through when I got to UCLA. I, I walked onto the track team and then, you know, I was kind of under their radar. They didn't really care about me. And um, it wasn't until I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, they they took care of me and everything. They wanted me to succeed, but it took a couple of years, you know. And so I had that rough adjustment year like everybody does. And and then, um, you know, I basically wasted a year and didn't redshirt. And I wasn't on the red. I wasn't on the radar. I wasn't in a scholarship athlete, so nobody was really watching me and saying, you know, you should. It's been a terrible year. Why don't we just redshirt you and you know whatever? So, I think my senior year when I jumped really well, we went to the NC2As. Um, we came in eighth for the first time in a while for UCLA, and then the next year, right after I graduated, they won their last NC2A title, and mm. I would have. Been, my brain goes, I should have been part of that NC2A title team if I had a redshirt. Right. So anyway, hopefully <laughs> you, you'll have a lot more wisdom than I did. I didn't know anything at that time. So um, tell us about how, how did this come about, Marcus? Because I know last year you were you were up and coming on the JC level. You got up to 7-1. And I know you made your your travel team from Puerto Rico and you went and had some big meets. So catch us up on everything. Yeah, definitely. So you want to know how the like Kansas State thing came apart yeah yeah because i'm sure it has to tie in with how well you jumped you know in, in these other meets and everything too so go yeah, ahead definitely. so uh it was after my my junior college season which i was very proud about because i finished undefeated i didn't lose a meet at all all year right and i had a new pr of seven one so i was excited about that and it it came along like super unexpected because I was like during the season, I was talking to a lot of coaches. I was super excited to figure out where I went next. And then out of nowhere, it just got cut cold turkey. Yeah. So I've heard from a lot of lot of coaches, besides maybe like two or three. And I was about to sign. I was maybe like three days away from signing. I was like, I need to just commit like somewhere before, like, you know, I'll waste these opportunities, you know. Right. Right. I don't want to do any coaches like disrespectful or anything, because I appreciate everything they did for me. And I was just I've probably at the time I probably emailed every single power five coach just trying to get on a team, trying to do anything. Right. And there's just one coach who I just didn't even bother talking to, which was uh, Clifford Belter. I was like, he's not going to be interested in me. Like he always gets the top guys or whatever. Cause you know, I've done my research on him. I, I understand. Right. And I don't know where I get a phone call at, at one of my practices. I was getting ready for the knockout meet in the Bahamas. I get a phone call and it's from uh, Cliff and he was basically saying that, you know, he 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 found out about me through Jeremy Fisher at um, mm -hmm. from when I was jumping in San Diego. Right. Villa Vista meets. He found out through him because he was looking to pick up, you know, a mid-year transfer guy. He had some extra scholarship money. So it was like that. And he just and I was like, oh, this sounds, you know, this sounds great. Like, you know, I mean, I'm, I told him I was like I was on the verge, like about to sign. But, you know, I'd love to take a visit or whatever. Right. And he was like, perfect, you know, I'll I'll come out to you and then you can come out to the school. So he flew out to California and um, watched me practice. 
but we couldn't have any contact because it was after he booked the flight it was he found out it was dead period so he's like I'll, I'll just come watch you like but we can't have any contact so that was kind of weird but it, we we all made up for it when I flew out there to right is it so that, that came across super wild I was like this is like basically most high jumpers dream coach like mm-hmm. who who just someone who really knows what they're talking about and stuff like that so I mean it just came across just very unexpected. I think that kind of makes it better. Right, right. Yeah, well, that's it's the unexpected ones, right? So where was the place that you were thinking about um, signing before K-State came along? I was I was maybe a few days away from signing to Long Beach State. I, uh-huh. was, I was in love with Long Beach State. And I still mm-hmm. am. Like the program, the coaches, all the athletes there, We I get along with everybody there. You know, it's, right, it's a good right. Well, you'd have been a good uh, training match with Kyle Jenkins there. That would have yeah, been. Yeah, no, he's a great friend of mine. We talked about it. Often. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was. I actually uh, tried to get that job, the jumps and and multi job. So yeah, I'm still a little bitter, but <laughs> no, I would. I was like, I'm like, oh my gosh! When as soon as I heard about it, I applied and I went through and I made it. You know, through a couple steps, got to the last step. You know, and then, um, and then I was like, hey, you know, they're asking me about can you recruit? I'm like, recruit. I can get you, you know, I, I hadn't, I talked to Kyle, but I was like, Hey, there's an opening here, you know, and I was doing my best to network and everything, but uh, it didn't quite work out. So, wow. That would have been a, an amazing combo. It would have gone from uh, Kyle. Who did he jump with? He jumped with Tyler cash. Yeah, Tyler. Right. So it'd have been, those two were up together at San Jose state. So then they would replace Tyler with you. That'd have been amazing. So, all right. So Long Beach state was off your list and then they were on, but then, they got written out by K-State. Now, when you went, was it freezing cold like it is now? <laughs> Did Not you get a chance to see yeah. the snow on the ground? No, I've I've still I've still never seen like snow actually fall from the sky. I've seen it on the ground, like driving through it, but I've mm-hmm. never like seen snow fall from the sky. But when I went up to Kansas, it was beautiful. It was amazing. It was right after I got back from the Bahamas. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you were there was, in, in the summer when yeah. it was yeah, okay. So did did uh did he try to prepare you mentally for what it might be like to train in in the cold fall and everything yeah he told me a lot of like the stuff that they'd be doing and you know precautions like the extra long warm-ups in the winter and indoor stuff like that all stuff I wouldn't really be used to so right right what what was the indoor indoor facility like do they just jump on a basketball court like everybody else or do they have an actual they have so their football team has an indoor facility and then when their season's over it gets taken over by track but they also have like their own indoor track i kind of explained that best so they have their own indoor track but it's going to be remodeled oh so okay after this football season they're going to be using the football indoor right thing. right so you'll just have turf you won't have like a uh you know what do you call it synthetic well i, I will I'll, I'll have a full-on like um banyan track so yeah okay yeah well that's Tell you what, that's uh, it's weird. I know for us out here in in in, in this California, because I remember growing up like the big meets in California when I was in high school. This shows you how old I am. I was a senior in 1982. So as in 81, as a junior, I think I jumped six eight, and then they had this thing called the Sunkiss meet. So they the Sun LA Sunkissed or just Sunkissed, and you know the indoor venues down here. Uh, no offense to whoever ran them at the time or whatever, but it was terrible. I I absolutely hated what it was because it was indoor, it was cramped, everything's way smaller than you think, and like my run used to be twenty feet wide, which is really wide, but I didn't have yeah. anybody tell me any different. So it was twenty by sixty my junior year, and then we get there, and the standard is like twelve feet from the end of the wood, and over on the other side of the wood is a drop and concrete so i was like uh i'm, I'm like eight feet short here can can we move this no <laughs> i was like okay so and I, I had broken my hand playing football so i was i was out of shape it was terrible and right. uh, you know my spikes are digging in it was wood first of all there was no no synthetic surface no nothing it was wood and it, it was ter- i hated it i i just absolutely hated it i think opening height was six four 
just like Arcadia. So that wasn't intimidating, but I was out of shape. I couldn't get off the ground. It felt like my spikes were digging into the wood and not coming out. You know, I was like, right. oh my God, this is terrible. And so I never jumped indoors again until after college. I went back one time to LA Times indoor meet. I had to jump seven, two and a half just to get in. And mm -hmm. I got went there and went through the same thing. Mm. It was the same stuff. It was too tight. It was wood. And I was like, why did I work so hard to get back here? I hate this. You know, <laughs> I just hate it. So I was like, you know, and then I, uh, the problem was, is I always heard these great stories from guys like Lee Balkin and, you know, some of the guys I jumped against that were like, they're traveling to Japan and to New York and they're going around the world. And they're like, yeah, when you go to Japan, they walk around on these wood floors and they like test them like bouncing, you know, they go bounce, bounce, bounce. And then they go, let's put the standards right here. <laughs> you know, like we'll get a super bouncy part of the floor and they would take, you know, the wood floor and they would put tartan over it so it, right. not only did you get the loading of the floor bouncing you had the you know the nice surface where you could wear your spikes and you know just like being outdoors right so i was like where was where was that when i was jumping i was jumping it, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh so anyway um well if you've got a a great place to train indoors that i'm totally jealous <laughs> that's awesome um what does it look like you said the campus is beautiful did did you get a chance to go around one around the campus and check out the dorms and all that stuff yeah i got a chance to do all that i didn't really check out the dorms because i'll be staying in an apartment when i go there okay so, you live off I, campus yeah well it's basically off campus but or technically off campus but it's maybe a two minute walk to the track yeah. stadium it's right yeah. across the street right nice really nice and then are are you plan i think mean, these are all questions you may or may not have thought about now since i've been through all this stuff did are you planning on working while you're going to be there or is the scholarship is going to take care of everything you won't have to work you can just train and go to school yeah so i mean i'm not planning on working while i'm there i'll see about the off season i just i just recently got or uh, quit my job that i had but i was right. so i've saved up some money to like yeah hold me off until the off season to see if i need another job or not but right. yeah the scholarship is is it's a pretty it's a pretty nice one i'm pretty happy with this are you gonna fly out there you're gonna drive your car out there what are you gonna do i'm gonna fly out there i'll be flying out there <laughs> so you're gonna leave all transportation behind so you got to get yourself a bike or a scooter or yeah something. um something that you won't kill yourself on <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. when I was in college, I was like, I'm going to get a motor scooter, you know, one of those mopeds like back yeah. in the eighties. And my mom was like, no, you can't have that. You kill yourself. I'm like, <laughs> I want to get a motorcycle. No, you can't have that. You're going to kill yourself. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so it, it never came around. I, nobody ever wanted me to do anything that was going to kill me, but, um, it's so, never too late. Right. Right. I know. I'm, I'm a grown man. I should be able to get a motorcycle. I want, uh, <laughs> So, hey, tell us, uh, I was excited to hear about this because um, I believe now that you've met Barbara, the Chaka, who came down to train with me last year from Canada, and yeah. she made her travel team to the Bahamas, and she said she got, she would was just crowing about you, like just, she goes, oh, Marcus was so much fun, and he's this, he's got full of energy, and I'm like, yeah, I've, I've had him on podcast, oh my gosh, we got to get him back. <laughs> so, um how did, did you you guys got a chance to talk and everything there yeah and definitely tell me, yeah. tell me about the bahamas because she was bummed because she had been injured but she still you know went and so fill us in on what happened there yeah so i mean yeah i, I got to i got to meet barbara she's super cool i i i love her i enjoyed my time with her she was super cool definitely she's definitely awesome, one of those people you could see being like a lifelong friend like just, just a genuinely happy and careful yeah. person. Too. yes like absolutely that. Uh, but for the Bahamas, it was it was a kind of tricky situation to start. So when when I they flew me in on a red eye. Mm -hmm. So and I have a problem sleeping on planes. So oh, I yeah. stayed up yeah, the whole time. The whole time because I flew in and then I had like a six or five hour layover in Florida, I believe. It oh, was. yeah, that's and death too. I just stayed up the whole flight from California to Florida and then Florida mm -hmm. to the Bahamas. I just stayed up the whole time and then I got there and I've been up for like yeah some odd many hours and then um we had a problem with the hotel with checking in because I got there earlier than some of my other teammates and later than some others and we had a problem checking in they like with the rooms and stuff so it started off bad I didn't sleep for like 24 25 hours my first yeah, day off. yeah stressful and then like my shower wouldn't work but I understand <laughs> like that island that we were at it, it went through a lot so I, I wasn't stressing about it at all like my roommate luckily was a good handyman so he kind of fixed the shower right but 
it was all good. Like after that, literally after the first day or two, everything just, I kind of relaxed in, settled in, everything just went so smoothly. Like really couldn't have asked for more besides maybe new PR in my meet. Cause I was super nervous. I was super nervous leading up to the track meet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm jumping against all these big names. Everybody I used to watch on TV, everything. Right. I was like, okay. Well, who's there, man? Drop some names. I want to hear some of these names. Like um, Django Levette was there uh, from Canada. Luis mm -hmm. Zayas from Cuba. He was there. Right. The national record holder for Puerto Rico was there as well. All people I'm jumping against. Um, Donald and you knew Thomas. him already, right? Had, had yeah. you jumped against him before? The the Yeah. I yeah, I've, I've known uh, Luis Joel a uh -huh. long time. Yeah. And then right. Donald Thomas from the Bahamas. So it was a bunch of big names of people who've all jumped. 230 plus like multiple times right. i was like yeah okay it just it made me feel like nervous at the start but when it like came time to check in and go i was like okay i'm, I'm here for a reason like i i have right. a good that's probably one of my best like things is mentally i can really get like in the right space really easy right. cool what, yeah, was, what was the opening height the opening height was i believe it was 205 but yeah 205 okay so, not, yeah i not came in at 205 crazy. I think I cleared everything first try up until 213. Mm -hmm. And then I, I missed it once and made it, I think. I, I can't really remember that well. And then I made 216. And I was actually nervous because I wasn't supposed like, yeah, of course, I'm always supposed to jump high. But I, I've been having like, I, I took a month off after my season. Right. And I had like a few weeks of training getting into it. Like I wasn't even jumping at high bars or anything. Not sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't. I wasn't like expecting the world. I was more expecting like the experience and just do as best as I can. Right. But then I ended up tying my PR and I was like, oh, I can get a new PR. And at that right. 219 jump, oh, I was so close. I yeah. was so close to 219. Oh, that's awesome. So now what have you learned? This this was a, a hard experience for me. And those of you out there listening again, this is um this is raise the bar with Troy Haynes with our special guest Marcus Gelpi for the second time, our first repeat guest. And um this is an interesting topic because when you're a young, inexperienced jumper, you find that, you know, I find with my jumpers, I tell them, look, early in the season, I don't care about misses and makes. I don't care about a whole lot. I'm like, let's just start jumping and let's let's get a lot of video. And, you know, you can open low. I don't care if you're over it by six inches, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll kind of jump our way through stuff, you know, right. and kind of learn things on the fly. But as you become more experienced not only throughout the season, but then just experience throughout your life, you know more of, you know, what you can and can't do. And, and there's certain things that, you know, you get more comfortable with, like Barb and I were talking about this. I said, you know, there's lots of things that I like to do in my warm up. I like to jog my couple laps and I like to do my running drills and I like to, you know, and I started integrating some things. I'm like, you know, something I never did, but I wish I had stuck a jump rope in my bag you know, and did some like speed skipping or some, some really fast, easy plyos, you know, both two legs and one leg. And then, you know, maybe some really quick, just some agility drills, you know, some of the newer stuff. And, you know, I mean, even hur hurdle mobilities or, you know, whatever it is. And right. so you, you develop your own thing. Like everybody kind of, you know, in high school, everybody's thrown together, right? They go, okay, team stretch. We all run out there, you jog together and everybody's doing the same thing. And some guys are just, you know, lollygagging their way through it. And then there's people like you that are more serious and, you know, they have their thing. So it's like, there's that. And then there is, how do I warm up and compete? You know, there's warm up and then there's like run throughs and pop-ups and, you know, the stuff that you do yeah. to get ready. Right. So, and you find that that's always changing on you when you're young, because you get to these different meets and there's like a certain way that they do things, right. The bar is going to only be at certain heights or you have to ask for it to be moved or, you know, like, I'm, my brain immediately went to, I wonder what these guys were like. Were they trying to bully you around? Were they like going, okay, we're only going to put the bar at 7-2 and take jumps at that, and then you don't get to take a jump? You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that go on. So uh, the thing that I was interested in was you said you jumped 213, mm -hmm. you went 216, you go 219. And then I remember high school, as well as you do, that most of the time in California, they don't tell you that they're going up in five centimeter increments, although they probably were, but they just tell you roughly that it's six, four, six, six, yeah. six, eight, even though it could be six, four and three quarters, 
you know, six, six and three quarters, because that's two meters, two meters, five, six, eight, and three quarters. They don't really tell you uh, when, at least when I was in high school, I think either a, they didn't expect us to know the metric system or, or B, they just didn't care. They just kind of rounded it to the closest thing. And, you know, the, the thing that I remember was, well, two inches, there's a lot of space in those two inches. You know, you, you come to learn later, you know, five centimeters of space is five possible places where you could jump. <laughs> and so, right. you know, and you hear people about going, oh, I like to switch to the odds. You know, what was the odds in high school? Well, that's six, seven, six, nine, six, eleven. So it's like, okay. And I, I've been interested because I'm watching all these things pan out at these big meets. So they go, usually I see the bar goes probably 215, 220, 225. So they go five, five, five. And then all of a sudden they go from 225 to either 228 or 229. So they start going by fours, then they go right. threes, then they go twos, right? And it depends on the meat and this and that. But I, I remember thinking, first of all, you know, uh, when you're really, really good, you don't want to take all of those jumps. Right. I mean, five centimeter skips are five centimeter skips. So to me, that's like, that's the the interesting part. And the, the more interesting part to me would be a, instead of them going five and doing all the conventions that they have, I would be like, why don't we just pick a number? that's smaller than five, like maybe three centimeters and go by three the whole way through. But that would force people to pass because right. you can't, you don't, you can't possibly jump every height. So right. I, it seems to me, it would be a little bit more intriguing to have say a bunch of people that either they randomly assign you to one group or the other, which doesn't make any sense because it kind of takes free will out of it. But if you said, Hey, we're starting at 209 and then it goes 212, 215, 218, 221. You know, it's like no way if you're an accomplished jumper like yourself, are you going to jump all of those? Like right. your early plan might be, oh, well, I guess I'll open at 209 and then I'll skip to 215. Now that's kind of difficult too when you think about it, because that's more than a two-inch skip, right? So right. you go six centimeters, eh. but I just think it would be interesting to have, you know, two people flip-flopping. Like if you're yeah, going no, against the guy from, from Puerto Rico, the record holder, right? And you jump 209 and he jumps 212 and then you jump 215. You're going back and forth, taking the lead from each other, right? Yeah. Jumping at the same height. So anyway, it's a long discussion, but I, I find that interesting. And then, you know, the whole thing about, again, how, like saying how close you were at 219, mm -hmm. my brain was like going, okay, so if he went from 219, you know, back and like you said, what did you, what was the, you jumped two sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. But they were going by threes, right? So two yeah. sixteen and two thirteen. So you went seven feet, you went seven one, and you took basically it's seven two. Two and a quarter, yeah. Seven two and a quarter, that's right. So it's two eighteen at seven two. Yeah, I right. believe so. Something like that. Yeah, I could never, like I said, they never, even in college, they didn't tell us. They just go, oh, it's seven two. <laughs> and then later on, I found out it's two and a quarter, it's two and a half. So they never trusted us with anything. All right, well. So you, you matched your PR mm -hmm. and you took really good jumps at seven, two. Now who was the, the big dog at the meet? Who won, who won that day? So I, I believe, uh, Zayas from Cuba won. Mm -hmm. He won and Django Levet took second, or that was flip-flopped one or one or the other way. Right. And, and what did they get up over? Were they up over five or six or I something? Think they were up over 227. I think that's what they were jumping at. 227. Okay. And then third place five is seven, four and a half. Right. So they're, they were up in the five and six range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I still don't know all my metrics. You can tell I'm terrible at it. <laughs> no, me neither. I'm still, I'm still. <laughs> this one. Right. Um, and third place was Donald Thomas from Bahamas. Yeah. Now yeah, you're right. I've heard a lot of those names. So, and then did you um, stay and watch the women? Were the, did yeah. the women go before you guys or after you guys? Um, I think they went on a complete different day than us. I think they went uh -huh. the day before us. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I watched the women, yeah. So, yeah, Barbara told me that she was there. She got to meet Vashti. She got mm -hmm. to meet, you know, is it Vashti or Vashti? I always mess that up. Oh. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm a terrible host. I never know anybody's name. All right. Well, it's okay. Um, she got to meet Miss Cunningham <laughs> and, and several others. So that was nice. And, uh, well, she's, that was a big eye opener for her, um, you know, traveling. I was like, man, I never got to go anywhere. I mean, we got to go some places from UCLA. I think the farthest east I made it was to Indianapolis my senior year for the NC2A. So that was as far back as I went traveling to compete. But I never left, never jumped a pond, 
never jumped, you know, down through the Caribbean or anything like that and got to go anywhere else. The Bahamas, that's so cool. So, okay. Now you have, you rode that and this guy, the coach Cliff at K-State, mm -hmm. did he, did he mention having seen you jump there? How did he come to, to find out about you? Yeah. So I sent, I sent him videos cause this is already after we were talking and I already had like the visit set up for after that. I sent him videos of how I did there and he, he was pretty impressed. Yeah. But before then, like you said, how did how'd you get on his radar if he didn't know about you from the Bahamas? So I got on his radar. Just he randomly, I guess, ended up calling Jeremy Fisher. That's right. That's yeah. right. OK. So you said Jeremy was the guy. Jeremy's great. I, I yeah, love he's him. a great guy. Does and great work down there. I'm sorry, what? No, I say he does great work down there. And then he's always he it seems like he's always about helping you guys, you know, yeah. to the next level, which is, you know, I love to see that anything that promotes the sport, you know, track and field. So the other thing that I was getting to was now that you've uh, gotten yourself to K-State, everything is starting to change. The landscape of college sports is really starting to change because of this NIL stuff, right? I mean, there's, there's already people that are getting, I saw right away, everybody, you know, the rich gets richer. I'm looking at, at, uh, is it Bryce Young from Alabama, you know, made, two Dr. Pepper commercials already and was great in them. Right. He's right. like, it looks like a total natural, you know, like, um, you know, takes over the one guy's house and he comes home and he's like, you know, she goes, Oh, she goes, Oh, here you go, mom. She's like, mom. And he's, she's like, Oh, that's just a little nickname. He came up for me. And, and the dad looks over and he goes, he came up with dad for me. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, and you're just like going, I'm going, this guy's uh, what a junior or a, I mean, maybe even a sophomore. I think he might have won it last year as a freshman. So he's either sophomore or junior, and he's already making millions of dollars in commercials, right? Oh, yeah. So you know, name, image, and likeness. Now you know, football still rules the war, the the roost here is the big money sport that's going to get these kinds of things. But it's not going to take people long to catch up. You know, everybody's got an agent anymore. I mean, one of my clients is is a thirteen year old who uh, she can throw a football like a guy. She plays soccer. She does all these sports, and you know, I. I I was talking to her mom. I said, have you, have you gotten it? She goes, yeah, we've had an agent for a couple of years already. I'm like, she's in the eighth grade, you know? And I would actually feel like not surprised. I was almost like, if you don't have an agent, you need to get one, you know, because right. I think she can write her own ticket, you know? So um, is there anything happening in that, that area is, you know, good looking kid like yourself and you're comfortable on camera and you talk well. So, you know, anything you're thinking about there? Uh, I'm still I'm still trying to work on that. You know, I have nothing like solidified right now, but uh, I have like a, a few talks back and forth with some like newspapers and like mm -hmm. um, or not newspapers, magazines and uh, like sporting goods stores back in, in Puerto Rico that I'm trying to work with. But nice. we still got to see like I'm yeah, we still got to see make sure everything makes sense for everybody. But right. Yeah, as until like I have stuff like solidified, I'm just focused on like growing my social media following a lot, trying to work on that because that helps a lot too. So sure, yeah. Well, you know the the good thing is is being aware of it, right? And then trying to get out in front of the whole process, and then you know just like anything else, I mean, this is America, so sometimes it doesn't matter what you can do; it's kind of how you look doing it. But at the yeah. same time, in the world of sports, it is still performance you know, dominant, although you can be a super great athlete. And if you don't have the ability to be comfortable on camera or speak intelligently <laughs> when they stick the mic in front of you, then it doesn't matter how good you are, right? It's just, they might find a way to to get you to do something in a commercial where you're, they just see you for a second, but right. If you can, if you can talk so much, the better, right? Yeah, agreed. Definitely agreed. Yeah. Pretty amazing. I just see the the possibilities so much more. I mean, uh, my roommate, when I was at, at UCLA, my first year, um, I was, I roomed with a, a gentleman named Dwayne Washington, who we both went to the same high school and he was a 48 foot triple jumper. And I was, you know, a six ten high jumper. So we both ended up walking on at UCLA and they, they stuck us together as roommates. Seemed like a natural, right? And it was funny because we were great roommates, but we never saw each other. Like he ran uh, with a, a guy um, all the time. My name is is blanking right now. I, I should remember Shane Mack. He he hung out with a guy named Shane Mack who was on the Olympic, uh, ended up being on the Olympic baseball team. 
And I believe after winning a gold medal, I think he he played on with the Twins and might have won a world championship. I mean, th- these guys were good good athletes, obviously. And right. um, but we would stay up the, when he finally would get home <laughs> from whatever him and Shane were doing. They were they were like this, you know, all the way through college that I remember. Um, you know, going playing basketball, doing whatever they were doing. I don't even remember what Dwayne's major was, but we would get home. Uh, later at night and sit and talk you know finally catch up on the day and it was like that whole you know the dreams and aspirations like yeah I want to go to the Olympics you know I want to get on a Wheaties box because I mean this is 1982 this is like six years after seeing uh Bruce Jenner you know then right. Bruce Jenner, the original Bruce Jenner with his you know big buff body on a Wheaties box you know and right. just the gold medal at the Montreal Olympics and the decathlon right and that was just like oh my god <laughs> oh my god I want to be on a Wheaties box just like that, right. you know, and make all this money. So, you know, you, you listen to those things and you you think about it and you you want to do it. And then, you know, you find out that the competition is pretty fierce. And, you know, the the weird thing about the Olympics as your launching pad is if you don't win gold, you're probably not going to get, you know, much. And right. even the ones that do win gold don't get that much compared to right some other sports. So, but it, I, I think now I'm starting to feel the ground shaking and moving and, you know, things are going to happen. It's, it's, it's probably still going to be a, a trickle down effect, but hopefully it'll be a bigger <laughs> trickle down right. than it's been. You know what I mean? So, well, what is it that you're, uh, you're going to major in now? Do you, did you find something that you like there at K-State? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be majoring in, in sociology. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then what what would you like to do with that? Do you want to, it sounds, it's a dumb leap to always just go, well, are you going to be a social worker? But I know there's way more applications than just that coming out of sociology. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I've always had a thing for helping out like people who are less fortunate than me and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I've been talking a little bit and me and my friend, we kind of have like, cause he's a sociology major as well up at Oregon state. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he has this big, bright idea for like a kind of like a, a resource city center to like help inner city kids, like, you know, escape right. their, their their places and expose them to different things, like show that the world's really bigger than where they may be. So I, I'd want right. to like get along with that and do something with that. So that would be once your career is over at K-State now, is that that's going to be up in Oregon? Um, no, we were thinking about doing it possibly down in San Diego or even the Bay Area or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. So, man, there's a lot of things on the radar for you. My brain just keeps ticking them off. I'm like, okay, so Marcus jumped seven one. He's almost jumped seven two. Now what's the, you know, they're going to have, there's an Olympics (laughs) coming up here pretty quick. You know, we've got, this is 2022. So 2024 is coming up. And that means, you know, this, this next year is kind of a weird year, but you know, you're, you're still going to want to be progressing along and doing what you're doing. Um, but is it, is it still that the B standard is right around 220 and the, the A standard is, you know, so above that pretty much. Yeah. So the, the A standard, I think it said 233 or 234 or something crazy. High. Oh, yeah, up there. yeah. 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 I respect it. But from what I've heard, I've, I've heard that there isn't a B standard at all. I heard that it, the B standard is being or supposed to be replaced with points. I, I don't understand hmm. the point system okay. exactly, but that's, that's kind of what I've been hearing around. It's still up in the air because no one has mm-hmm. anything in cement. But yeah, I mean, I, hey, that would be a dream. But I mean, I'm I'm willing to to do what it takes to to work and try to get myself there. I know I got right. a long way to go. Well, that, you know, the only reason that I brought that up, um, and again, just if you guys are staying with us, um, we're here on Raise the Bar with Marcus Gelpi. He's uh, originally from Sacramento. He went to Santa Rosa Junior College. Is that right? No. So um, I'm from the Sacramento area, but I'm from a a town called Dixon, California. It's super small. It's like dead center between Sacramento and Oakland like area. Okay. Um, But I went to Diablo Valley College. Diablo Valley College. Concord, California, in the Bay Area, yeah. Okay, you're in the Bay Area, so you were up there, and then you stayed up there all the way through this last year, and then you're moving, or that was yeah, that? So, yeah. Now, did you win the state this year with that 7-1? Yes. Seven, seven uh, I jumped 210 to win the state. State meet, okay. So 
I remember one year when I just, I, I'd been out of college for three or four years and was working at, at Orange Coast College. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we got to the state meet, you know, we always had a few athletes from Orange Coast get there. And right. um, they asked me if I would run the high jump. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that'd be a blast. Right. And uh, it was a great state meet. I don't remember the people that were there, you know, but there were three kids that jumped seven, two that mm -hmm. day. So that was a really solid state meet. And uh, it's always fun to run a high level meet, especially when you know what you're doing. I'm always, I'm always amazed at how many, you know, people can run the high jump varying degrees from completely right. incompetently to, to well, but um, yeah, so you, you won state. That's awesome. And then my brain just keeps ticking off the, the steps up the ladder. So I remember um, in 84 was my sophomore year. And it was the first year that I ever jumped seven feet. So I tell the story to people before they go, well, you jumped seven two that year. Why didn't you go to the trials? And I'm like, well, trial height was, was two. When I jumped two 18, I jumped seven two. So I think the trial height was seven, four and a quarter. So four and a quarter, whatever that is again, I don't know. So right. it was, it was significantly, not significantly higher than I jumped, but this was the weird part because that year, my freshman year was terrible. My, that was the red shirt, terrible year. So right. I, I jumped less my freshman year than I had as a, I think, except for my junior. And I, I think I jumped six, eight once basically the whole year, terrible year. And so wasted time. Well, my sophomore year, all of a sudden I shot back up. I went to seven feet and then I went seven, two. And at the very end of the year, once that was all done, I went to pack tens for the first time. And it was pretty much a, a pretty solid year. I ended up getting myself on scholarship, you know, and was ready to go. And, uh, you know, it was so weird, but somebody goes, you know, that it was 1984, the Olympic trials are here in LA. I was, I was watching these athletes train from all over the world on our track, mm -hmm. you know, during the season. And so it's like, oh yeah, the, the trials, you know, and I'm like, it, it's like, it hadn't even gone across my radar because my radar had been i had a really crappy year i really wanted to jump seven feet and seven two was like way more than i thought at the mm -hmm. beginning of the year and then all of a sudden it's like you know if you jump four and a quarter you can go to the games and it was like to the trials and i'm like really oh cool you know and i had i tried a couple meets you know but it was it had been a long season and i wasn't peaked you know and so yeah. I was, and I, mentally i think it was just different it, it wasn't on my radar at all you know so just like I'm getting it out there. So, all right, I want to, I'm trying to motivate Marcus to go to the trial. So, but the, the weird thing was, is there was no B standard that I remember. It was like, it was four and a quarter in 1984. And then in 88, it was up to five and a quarter or four and three quarters. I think it was five and a quarter, which is what? 225 is four and a half. So I don't remember. It was, it was up there, you know? And yeah. So, um, I remember talking with, we've had as a guest here on, on Razor Bar, Robert Atwater, who jumped at an NAIA school and jumped two and a half or something indoors or, you know, when he was jumping and I think he was in high school, if I remember right. And he got invited to the trials because that was the B standard, you know, and he yeah. actually jumped in the Olympic trials back in 20, 2016 or 2020. I can't remember which, but anyway, I should listen to my own show. So, yeah, he, he jumped and, you know, that's been the, the B standard now for a while. Cause I remember Tyler Arroyo was saying that, that too, that there was the B standard was two, you know, still 220. And then, you know, the A standard for him and Jumpman Wesner and those guys, you know, was still five and a half, I think, or five and a quarter. Right. That's actually kind of crazy that, that you brought up that point. Um, because I, one of my teammates, I'll be jumping with that Kansas state in high school, he went to the trials as well. He jumped 220 in high school, I believe, or 221. Mm -hmm. So yes. he went to the trials. And that, that was, like, I didn't even notice it until, like, one of these times I was rewatching because I watch a lot of high jump on mm -hmm. TV as much as I could see. And I was watching yes. it. I was like, wait, I, I know him. So right. yeah, that's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's what a privilege, right, to, to make it to the trials as a, as a senior in high school or whatever you happen to be. I mm -hmm. think uh, Vashti Cunningham was one. She made the team, you know, uh, five or six years ago as a, a senior in high school, you know, coached by her dad. And then um, way back in the day, I believe Dwight Stones made the 1972 team as an 18-year-old senior. So he jumped in 72, he jumped in 76. He would have jumped in 80, but we boycotted and he came back and jumped in 84. So 
by far uh, in the U.S. made the most Olympic teams of anybody that I've I've been able to watch. So um, interesting, right? As a as a, a high school senior, maybe maybe oblivious, <laughs> maybe obliviousness is is blessed, right? Because you're just like you're just jumping, you know, and, and right. it's like, hey, all these old guys are here. Like, ah, it doesn't matter. I got a lot of stretch, you know. So um, you were telling me now, um, Marcus, about something uh, you you mentioned uh, different training, and then you mentioned gymnastics or something. So fill us in on on how uh, what's this radical new training that you're going to be doing? Yeah, so I mean, I've already started. So he gave me a, a Coach Clifford Velto gave me a big binder of all these these workouts, practices, pretty much everything I need to know and. He told me I didn't have to follow it directly because he trusted my coach because him and my coach, they get along. Mm -hmm. So he trusted my coach kind of ahead of time. But um, he said if I wanted to, like, use it for, like, reference to kind of ease my way up into there, because, like, as soon as I get there, I'm pretty much going to be jumping 10 days after I arrive. So right, right. So if I wanted to, like, get used to workouts and stuff like that, then I should follow that. So I started doing that. And it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of differences, like. You know, there's there's more heavy weights. There's there's some more upper body work that I've never really found the need to to work on, but right. it works for him. So I mean, if if he believes it's gonna work, and I, I'm gonna trust my coach all the way. So I'm been following that, which is new. Now, the upper body work is it uh, is it designed to help you get your arms up over your head, or is it just designed to? I, I'm just curious because I was a power jumper, so I was you know gather and you know boom big arms right. so I, I don't have any problem with big arms but i do remember that i was a lot heavier than most of the guys i jumped against i was 195 i remember talking and, and Jumpman wesner is one of the few that he told me he felt better at 205 than he did at 190 so he he likes to to be a little bit heavier you know right. he's dunking from behind the free throw line so i'm like yeah you know what's the, if you're 205 and you dunk from behind the free throw line then i get it um but i you know i've I've kind of mentally made that switch a while back because I, I was kind of brainwashed by both Dell Davis and Lee Balkan when I was at UCLA. All they ever told me was I was way too heavy. <laughs> they were like, like I was a jumbo jet, right? And they were like, they were like private jets. They were like sleek and fast. Right. Like this big lumbering, you know, six, three and a half, 195 pounder. And it's funny because all my life, all I've ever heard was that I was skinny. Yep yeah eight i hate it when it's applied to me i hate it so it's like, it. they go yeah you're skinny i'm like i'm not skinny you know i'm like i squat 400 pounds i'm benching 300 i'm not skinny you know right like, you know so and then amongst high jumpers it was the other thing anybody else you were skinny amongst high jumpers i had guys walk up to me like dude are you a decathlete you right know, what are you talking about I'm like what do you weigh like 210 pounds i'm like no man i'm like 195 it was right. so funny, but you're jumping against some guys that are just sticks. Yeah. You know, Lee Balkan was 6'4", maybe 160, mm -hmm. 165, you know, like not not built like Barshim, but definitely not built as heavy as I was. Uh, right. Dylan Davis was 6'2", maybe 150, I think, you know, mm -hmm. 155. I don't know. So it's funny, you know, you, you talk about body types and um, I'm a big, big believer in strength to weight ratio. And you know, if you can get away with being lighter, as long as you have the ability to move fast and you right. have the power to get there, because everybody thinks that all the time, you know, I'm sure you've seen it. You know, you've probably jumped against guys five or six inches taller than you that have no hops, you know, and you're like, yeah. you're thinking, man, this big guy, he's, he looks pretty intimidating. And you watch him take one jump. You're like, nah, <laughs> yeah, not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have any hops, you know, and then you're jumping against some Oh, where's a kid, um, a friend of mine, Stephen Williams. Um, Stephen, if you're out there listening, uh, we need to get you on another podcast. He was, uh, he's a coach from uh, Downey High School down here. And uh, he was at- yeah, I, know, uh, I know him. I get along uh, with him really well. He's a great yeah, guy. He was, he was at Cal State Fullerton, you know, yep. last year. And uh, great guy. And he had this little kid, I swear, couldn't have been more than 5'5". Five, five, and he was a 6'2 jumper, you know. And he wow. was always so much more impressive than everybody else because- you're watching him going, this guy's going way over his head. You know, mm -hmm. he just, he just wasn't super tall, but he was fast and he would hit vertical and he, he could wait, you know, before he got into his layout and everything. So that was always more impressive, but um, yeah, the, the strength to weight ratio is big. And I always worry about, you know, the sacrifice between power and, and, you know, strength to weight is everything. Cause I, 
I tell my jumpers this all the time. I said, God gave birds hollow bones for a reason. <laughs> There's a reason why, you know, yeah. because you don't want to carry that extra weight if you don't have to, you know. Right. And I think about Zion Williamson, right? That his freshman year at Duke when he just blew out of that shoe and mm -hmm. it just exploded, you know, and you're like, that shoe wasn't made for a guy like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah. but I mean, talk about a guy that can get in the air, right? The classic power jumper, but you're like, would you really want to carry that weight? Because my experience is after a little while, man, it's just, it's too much, you know, yeah, like, oh, for a long season and even yeah. multiple seasons on, on end. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. So he was what, he just come out of high school. Then he goes to Duke and Duke, they're going to play, you know, a 40 game schedule. Right. And then mm -hmm. you leave the 40 game schedule, you go right into pros that have an 80 game schedule. And yep. what happens first career major injury almost immediately. Out of right? there, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that that strength to weight ratios, there's a lot to it, you know, and, and the extra force being applied, against the ground. And then, uh, you know, think of all the big guys that had bad feet, you know, yeah. um, Bill Walton, one of the greatest college centers ever UCLA guy. I always got to throw out some of my Bruins, but you right. know, no argument, one of the greatest college centers ever, you know, immediately follows Kareem who had three titles at UCLA. The only reason Kareem didn't have four was they didn't let the freshman play back in his day. So he mm -hmm. had to wait a year and then won three titles. And then they followed that up with Walton who immediately won three titles you know, right. he was great, but he got into the pros and within a year or two, he led the Portland Trailblazers to their only NBA title. And a year or two after that, he was out of the league for a couple of years because he had stress fractures in his feet, you know, and he's, here's a seven, two guy, right? So he's all stretched out and you get bad feet. And then um, who's the other one that was like, there's a, there's been a couple, um, Yao Ming, Yao Ming from China was seven, six, big dude too. Like not yeah. skinny like you would think, right? Yeah. he had problems with his feet you know, all the time. So that's my brain is always going, okay, there's a, there's a trade off there, you know, between the strength to weight ratio and how much force you can put through. <laughs> those right. Yeah. So, so you guys are, you're going to lift heavy and now talk about this gymnastics stuff. I'm curious, what kind of gymnastics are we doing? Yeah. So at first I just did it just to, just cause I thought it would be something fun. And I ended up taking some videos and like, I ended up really learning and I figured like how to, cause I just wanted to learn how to do a backflip. I always wanted to learn how to do a backflip. I know I right. can do one, but mentally I want to learn how to do a backflip. I don't know why. I just right. feel like it's a fun thing to learn. And so I, I went to a gymnastics, like after session one day, paid $10. And basically I was just being taught how to backflip. And so I started taking some videos and I was like, wait, hold on. I can see how this could sort of translate like, mm -hmm into my over the bar work because I know not all the time my or all the time my um arc over the bar isn't really perfect you know I kind of mm -hmm. like lumber over it instead of right getting there. and I was looking at myself back foot like my head straight back my right like everything was looking like in line I sent the video to my coach and he was because at first he was against me trying to backflip because he didn't want me to get hurt right and I sent it to him even though he told me not to go do it and he was like wait that could actually work like yeah. stuff like that and then you know, it I, you could add a lot of bounding into it on the little like bouncing trampolines, like the small like right. kind of flatboard right. ones. So yeah, I, and it was really like pretty much a full body workout, something I definitely did not expect. So I, I liked it a lot, and so I just started uh -huh. going back about once, twice a week. So I've I feel like I've learned a lot from it, gained a lot of flexibility and stuff like that. Flexibility, yeah, that's that's huge. Now, um, one of the things that I've been trying to stress on, in my um, program writing is. You know, it's it's easy for me to talk uh, power. It's easy for me to talk plyos. It's easy for me to talk speed. Um, but the part that nobody wants to deal with is injuries. So, you know, how do we keep from uh, both chronic and overuse injuries, right? Which is usually just volume, but there are some things that you can do. Like I follow the knees over toes guy, right? And I follow a, a lot of those guys that are, uh, showing the exercises that, you know, I was attracted to that first off. So I'm like, I remember doing the tibialis raises, you know, and that, that really helped me with my shin splints. And this is back in the, the eighties, you know, so those right. aren't anything new, but then I'm seeing some new equipment I'm seeing some new cool things. And then I'm watching these reverse Nordics where you drop back. I'm like, Oh, wow. You'd have to be really flexible through your ankles and you know, this, and then I'm watching low intensity plyos in the sand. We never did that. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's a pretty good idea. You know, maybe we'd go low intensity, 
and do a bunch of them and, and build up some tendon strength, you know, and maybe even start using some weights in the sand. And, you know, it just seems like everything's progressed, you know, quite a bit, you know, joint stability, hip mobility, right? There's, there's joint stability stuff. I follow all kinds of different chiropractors and um, physical therapy people, you know, mm -hmm. so they're showing, cause my back is jacked up from all those years of jumping. So, you know, I'm learning all these thoracic things. I'm like, Oh, I wish I'd have done those, you know, <laughs> back in the day. Cause right. it landed on my neck wrong one time. And, you know, it still gives me trouble and like, okay, I need to learn some stretches for that. And so, you know, there's a, a proliferation of stuff. Um, but that flexibility you're talking about, um, this is something I just put out a, a zoom class, um, this, the second one, we just did the the flight phase, you know, when I break down with my athletes at training. I go, there's straight curve, takeoff mechanics, flight, and then layout. And I right. said, for me, the higher the bar goes, the more this order needs to be obeyed <laughs> because yeah, one has to proceed the other. You cannot rush from one thing to the next. I can't do my curve until I run my straight. I can't take off till I finish my curve. I can't fly until I take off. And I can't lay out until I'm done flying. And I said, when the bar keeps going up, the flight time is the only thing that I think that gets longer than all the other parts, right? Yeah. It keeps getting longer by necessity. It just has to. So as the bar keeps going up, we got to wait longer before layout. And I've got so many athletes that are in the middle of their takeoff. Heads already, already leaning. Yep. They're, they're already going towards the bar. And I'm like, no, 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 no this has got to wait. You you can't right. be in a hurry, right? You got to be patient. And I love when I see guys like Barshim and some of these other guys that are just a mile out. I mean, you were looking at them going, they're nowhere near the bar. And right. Then, and they got time to finish going up and they finish going up. And then I said, the game that I'm trying to teach my kids is look, not just kids, you know, Barbara and, and others as well. But um, I, I just picked up a new client who's 70 years old. He wants to try to break the master's record for 70 year olds. I'm like, let's nice. go. Let's do it. I love it. I love somebody with a goal like that. It's great. Um, Jim Baker, if you're out there, we're talking about you. So, um, you know, uh, the idea for me, and and again, the inherent advantage of someone who's tall versus someone who's small is higher center of mass before they get off the ground, right? And then if I can get really tall, it take off arms, knee drive, everything way up on my toe. I'm really, really tall and I'm off the ground. And if I'm not converting towards the bar, I've bought myself time which is all wonderful. But now, once you're going up and you're starting to fly, there's something that needs to happen. And that is almost immediate. You need to get small. Right. Like talking about. And I, I can't do it a front ball. So I have to do a reverse ball. And the reverse ball for me is getting those arms back down, mm -hmm. either on top of my hips or whatever. Or I, I'm kind of fascinated by the people that are reaching and connecting to their heel. Because I mm -hmm. like that position also, because as long as I'm in this kind of a loop, a circular loop position, whether my hands are outside of it or inside of it or connected to my foot with my head back and out of the way, hopefully. Right. So I want to be in this with nothing sticking out, no arms right. and my head should be back in. And if everything streamlines, I'm going to spin quicker. Right. Up on top, right. So I can I get that rotation and I'm always trying to get. You know, I call it the Omega position. You just picture the Indiana, Indianapolis Colts, you know, mm -hmm. horseshoe. Right. You know, big hoop, you know, a big horseshoe. The hips are way up here. Nose and toes are out there, right? And and the top of my head's pointing straight down, hopefully. Now, I've seen Barshim, and it looks to me like his eyes are looking straight at the ground, which is yeah. almost hyper that way. But, you know, at what I call the nine to three position, where your head and your feet are on the same level, I'm like, if you ever get these jumps where your head is actually lower than your feet and your hips and you really start to rotate through there, that's like, I, I it was curious because this is the point I was trying to get to. I, sometimes my brain wanders me there and, and it drives my wife crazy. When she asks me a question, sometimes I'll start rambling and she's like, is there an end? I'm like, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. So the thing that I was thinking of, Marcus, when you're talking about the gymnastics and like, there's a lot of things that I want in my um, my, my jump facility, if I can ever build one. And that is cameras going straight down the bar, you know, from either side. So I can see the, the catapult angle, I call it. And right. then, you know, uh, at least one camera from straight out from the bar. So I can see your lean back angle, right? You send me a lot of great shots like that, by the way. And I, I like that one. And then I want cameras overhead so I can see right. the curve, right? Which you hardly ever get to see. 
And then I want force plates on the ground because I want to measure how long we're on the ground and how much force we're exerting. Those are all great things. I would love to have those. Of course, I don't have any of that because track and field doesn't have that kind of money in it. But here's my last thing on the wish list is a training facility like what you're talking about where you're doing gymnastics. So I want to have the kind of ropes that they have on trapeze artists when they do their things, like you, you see them, they're up on the, and they jump up and they start spinning around. Right. Catch. Well, before they do that without the ropes, they do it with the ropes and they work right. on their timing and everything else, right. And their body positions, they're doing backflips, right. And they're reaching blindly with their hands or whatever and getting caught. So if they miss, you've got somebody on one side or the other with a rope and yeah. pole and they mm-hmm. keep it from killing themselves. Right. Yeah. So I want to get that kind of a setup mm-hmm. when you're doing that reverse backflip that you're talking about, where you go, look, hey, just go up and hold that position and we'll just hold you up there. You know? <laughs> yep. Just pull on either side and you just get into one of those, you know, and feel that position. And and then we'll we'll experiment on how to get you to rotate around so you, you can almost feel it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And hold it. Because that's the one thing you always hear people go, oh, you need to hold your arch longer. And I'm always like, I go, okay, there's a problem with that in my mind, because if I'm holding my arch longer, it means I started too early. Right. You know what I mean? Because if you picture, if you can get as the bar goes higher, I shouldn't have to arch my way over. I should be able to get my knee drive and get my hips up to where the bar is and then go into my layout and then come out of it. And that should be another part of your jump that's relatively the same all the time yeah i mean otherwise you know what are you going to do you you made 225 let's say and you you did it with a great layout and hips up and everything else when the bar goes up to 230 are you going to be able to make it with the same jump that you made 225 with you know starting the layout at the same time it doesn't make any sense to me if i did that i'm going to be out of position something like this as the bar is going up and then i'm going to have to hold it forever right right and what do you always see someone's in that position and they're waiting 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 and then when they finally let out of it they drop right down on it anyway because they started too early right Mm -hmm. so that that was my idea for you know getting you into the position and then you know trying to get you to to hold it longer i I get people that are they're barely in that position before they're out of it right right that's, that's that core strength and everything else well, it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff happening. You're moving to a new school. You're, um, do you, you have a support system there you've been introduced to, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, now, did you get the chance to meet your prospective roommate or roommates? I have no clue. who. So it, it'll be a two bedroom, two bed. So I'd have one roommate. I have no clue who it's supposed to be. But I mean, be a track athlete like yourself. Um, it'll be some sort of athlete. Either it'll be baseball, football, basketball, or track. I'm hoping uh-huh. track so that like schedules kind of work out the same. But I mean, I'm not I'm not stressing it too much. Just do they have a little place that's you know an off an off campus apartment that's for yeah. athletes? Kind of, it's almost yeah. like a like a dorm, right? <laughs> it's pretty cool. much a dorm just for athletes. But yeah, right. it's, it, it'll be fun. That's pretty cool. Well, I I tell you, I think you're gonna have a blast. I I got a my my freshman year at UCLA. I was on. Uh, I was in Sproul. I was in Sproul Hall. Those of you Bruins that are out there listening, you remember Sproul Hall was right over the track at, at the, um, it's now the Rayford Johnson track and the um, Ducky Drake Stadium, still Drake Stadium. And then they renamed the track after Rafer, who God bless him, just passed away a couple of years ago and uh, maybe a little over a year ago. But anyway, up at, at Sproul, they put us, my freshman year, they stuck us on the, an athlete's floor. So I think I was on fourth or fifth hall. I can't remember north or south wing. And all the athletes were were almost every room was athletes. So that was a lot of fun. So there was like basketball players and, you know, everybody. I mean, right. I don't remember any ba- I don't think actually basketball. There were, the guys right next to us were baseball and football. And one guy played both. And then Dell was on that floor and his roommate was a javelin thrower. He was a high jumper. Then the, it was they were spread everywhere, right? And it wasn't all athletes, but there were a lot. And then um, one of the first days, I remember walking down the hall, I see this girl doing a handstand right up against the wall, right? And I'm walking by and I go, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm practicing my handstands for my my platform dive. I go, oh, you're a diver. Yeah. Jenny McMahon. 
never forget she was a senior my freshman year and cute curly hair she always had wet hair you know it's just from right. the pool and she actually taught me how to do handstands so right. i was you know going up and trying because her thing was getting this right you couldn't go up there with a weak low back right wavering while you're doing it because you had to hold a perfect handstand before you do anything or yeah. even kick off into your dive so she was all like yeah get everything locked out and then you know once you're up here you can balance just with your fingertips i'm like oh cool so i remember doing that that was a lot of fun but that again gets into a little bit of the gymnastics things i gotta see it's good that we were talking about this because i remember I, whatever happened i used to make my athletes 15 years ago i used to make them do handstands and walk around cones and stuff See, I got to remember, these are things you forget. Sometimes new things come along and they replace the old things and you forget what were some right. of the things that you used to do. All right, sir. Well, listen, hey, I, I really appreciate you taking the time, Marcus, again with us. I'm always excited to talk to you. You're, you're always up. And uh, I just, I think nothing but the best of you. I think, you know, the world is your, your oyster, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm waiting to see uh, how this goes with your new coach um be be uh be warm <laughs> yeah. everybody that i talk to right now goes it is butt cold out there <laughs> yeah no, in kansas or nebraska that. or anywhere in the big 10 it yeah. is cold so yeah. i i know it does get cold up north where you are um but whew. but nothing like that yeah <laughs> yeah right so yeah stay warm i don't know if they got a jacuzzi there <laughs> but if you i'll find one, one i'll find if one. you can get one in your room so much the better right right oh my goodness well hey man it was it's great talking with you as always um let's stay in touch uh anything i can do you know uh, any kind of promotion you know you want you got some videos you want me to do some posts for you i'm always happy to do that and uh if you want to do a, uh, I like doing these um, analysis posts. I don't know if you've seen any of those on my site. I've, uh, I asked uh, this young Polish gal who's like jumped five, nine or 10 already. She's only like 15. And, uh, you know, she let me break down her videos and she's got so many followers. Like every time I do it, she gets a couple thousand likes. So we've oh, yeah. been looking at her cycling technique and then I'm showing everybody what a great, you know, short last step she's got a good slide step, I call it. So yeah, anything like that would be great. And I'd love uh, that. Yeah. That'd be all great. right, sir. Let's do it. Let's do it. If you got Good. any of those jumps from the Bahamas, all right, especially your your seven ones or even the the really good seven two misses. Those oh, yeah, I quite informative when they get broken down. <laughs> okay. it was definitely. I mean, it was an honor. I mean, thank you. I love I love doing this. I'd even be happy to do it again. I love doing it. Hey, all right, man. Well, you're you could be our first uh our first triple guest. Well, what what I really want to do is get Barbara to co-host and she's still kind of just kind of sticking her toes in the water she's a little bit more you know not as chad she'll come to <laughs> she'll, she'll come to yeah. right right no, let's no. hope so all right we'll we'll try for a a, a co-host <laughs> there we go perfect all right sir well hey marcus the best of luck to you i i like i said i hope and wish nothing but the best for you and uh stay healthy and happy and you know working on i love the sociology degree and the the giving heart you have to want to work with other people and help people that, you know, are struggling for whatever reason and uh, all those things. I hope that all comes together. So. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. And, I'll and talk to you soon. Send those you. Videos. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thanks, Marcus. Thank you. All right. And that was uh young Marcus Gelpi who uh, is a California product. He's um was born up in Sacramento. You heard him tell us and uh, went to Diablo uh, Junior College up there and uh, has managed to uh, get himself a, a ride to Kansas State. And um, he is uh, going to, he's already joined forces with the coach and has is, is already started his workouts and uh, is excited about the, the direction that he's going in. And uh, sounds like he has a teammate that has already been to the U.S. Olympic trials in this past. So uh, just a, a great uh, wealth of opportunities there. And uh, we're hoping the best that he, uh, you know, continues to improve, obviously. Um, I, I think the first time I posted one of Marcus's jumps on on my Sky High and Fly Jump Camp site, he was jumping 6'6 six, six or 6'8 or, or something. And it seemed like he was one of those guys that would keep coming across my feed. And it, he was always jumping a new PR. So all of a sudden he's six eight and then a six nine and a six ten and you know like he said he went ended up winning um, 
As a matter of fact, when he sent me his first things, he ended up getting noticed by someone from the Instagram feed on me showing that jump. And so I think that's how he got to the junior college. And then, you know, obviously he's done all that work on his own and continued to improve and jumped 7-1 PR, won the state meet with 6-10, got to go to the Bahamas. He's with the part we did not talk about was that um, Marcus is, uh, has a dual citizenship, I believe, both here in the U.S. and in Puerto Rico. So um, he's already jumped, I believe, on the national team over there. So he knew a couple of those guys, apparently, um, both from the Puerto Rico team and then from some of the other uh, teams down there when he went to the Bahamas meet. So anyway, great, great sharing time with Marcus and uh, again, hoping for nothing but the best. And um, with that, we're going to sign off. We have a um, third Zoom class coming up. So far, you may have heard me mention the, the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth phases of the high jump. We have the straight, the curve, the takeoff, the flight, which I just covered, and this next Zoom class, we're going to go specifically into layout, which you heard Marcus and I talking about a little bit. Um, we'll talk about all kinds of ways to go from tall to small. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that uh, on the next Zoom class. And then, of course, we're getting here to the holidays and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to keep trying to get our great guests, these great athletes, sharing their insights and their motivations and their great jumps with you. And until next time, my name is Troy Haynes. This is Raise the Bar, the Sky High and Flight Jump Camps podcast. And we wish you the best until next time.